Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And tonight, returning from the bullpen, Father John Lovell from the Coalition of Cancel Priests. Going to be a great show, of course, talking about the time to rise up against evil. And when is it not the time, but especially in light of things that are happening these days, they just keep getting more and more absurd and bizarre. So we're going to break that down and the importance of being a house united. Of course, everything begins with prayer. So let's unite in prayer. Father Heilman. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. And of course, we always want to thank everybody out there who supports the U.S. Grace Force podcast. We really cannot thank you enough, especially in these times. There's so much happening. We all see it every day. It's like a new shoe drops pretty much every day in some way, shape, or form. And getting this message out, really trying to encourage people, really trying to help people stand strong in the face of what's going on, you are such a major part of that happening. So we thank you for your prayers, your encouragement, and all those out there who support us through the Patreon program, we thank you as well. If anybody's interested in joining the Patreon program and helping us financially continue to get this message out, you can click the link in the description below and know that you are in our prayers. You're all in our prayers, but we really, really need to be united as this program is about tonight. We want to be united in getting the message out because we don't know just how soon those comets are going to come. And yes, we joke around about the comets coming, but in all honesty, God has made it clear uh, through the Blessed Mother herself and the church-approved apparitions that the time is urgent. And we want to encourage you to remember that the word is urgent, not anxious. So we're not anxious about these times, but we want to take that urgent message and do something with that. So please consider supporting us in the Patreon program and keep us in your prayers and know that you are in ours. And of course, tonight, Father John Lovell joins us. Father, great to have you back. Appreciate you deciding to join us again. And I love the fact that we have a ticker tape going at the bottom of the screen. For those that are listening to the audio, we're talking on that ticker tape about the House United Conference coming up June 23rd and 24th in Rosemont, Illinois, just up there in the Chicago area. So thanks for being with us. Do you want to you give us a little uh, explanation of what's going on with this conference? Well, first and foremost, it's not Chicago. All right. Okay. Rosemont. We've got a few people emailing us saying, oh, I don't want to come to Chicago. You're not in Chicago. There you go. Good. It's good. in a very, very safe suburb. All right. Rosemont, Illinois, right next to O'Hare. And I just want to say to Father Heilman and to Doug Barry, thank you so much for having me on again. Um, last year, you had me on right after Easter, like we are now. And it was great being on. We got a lot of support for the conference. It's a chance for Catholics from all over the country, really all over the world, to come together and to meet some great Catholic speakers, all right? We have Janet Smith, John Henry Weston, Abby Johnson, Doug Barry. Can you believe it? We have Doug Barry. <laughs> you might not want to tell people that. That might turn people away, Father. <laughs> okay. Jesse Romero, okay. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, Gabriel Gray, Father James Altman, the rabble rouser himself, all right? And this is just to name a few. It's a two-day conference where the lady can come together and meet about a dozen to two dozen canceled priests and be able to hear their story, 
We had a great time last year in Beloit. This year, we decided to do it a little bit closer to Chicago, just for people commuting, especially flying in. And so we highly encourage people, you see the ticker tape uh, down below, please go to cancelpriest.org for more information. And our theme this year is A House United. Why? Because all of our speakers are Catholic, they're solid, they're thriving for orthodoxy, all right? But they don't necessarily agree on everything, all right? But what they're saying is, is that we're gonna put aside our differences because we realize as Catholics, we need to unite. As solid Catholics, we need to put away our differences, our little differences, and unite, okay? And this com this is coming from somebody, all right, who is very much into the traditional mass. I personally have a great love for it, okay? But what we're saying is, is whether you're traditional Catholic, whether you attend the Novus Ordo, whether you're charismatic, does not matter. We want to come together to support our canceled priests. Because why are they canceled? Because they stood up for the truth. All right. So many times people say to me, well, what's the difference between a canceled priest that did something wrong and a canceled priest that didn't do anything wrong? And I simply say this, if a canceled priest did something wrong, they're not actually canceled. All right. If a bishop removes a priest for doing something wrong, that's not being canceled. That's called justice. Okay, a canceled priest is one that is removed because he stood up to say the right thing or to do the right thing, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember what Christ said, if you love me, the world is going to hate you. And so we understand this. It's a little bit hard for us, though, because sometimes that hatred is coming from those in the church. And so we have to realize that we need to stand up and, and defend the house, which is the house of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Please, everyone, plan to go. It's going to be awesome. I was there last year, but this year it happens to fall again on my birthday. But this year it's the last weekend in my parish. So they're having a, a, a birthday party for me and a going away party on June 24th. Which, by the way, Father, are you purposefully trying to hit John the Baptist's birthday with this conference? Is, or is it just a, a great coincidence? No. I mean, for those that don't know, St. John the Baptist after Our Lady, is our primary patron, okay? Right. He is one who is crying out in the desert. Right. And our motto is una voce, clamantes in deserto, okay? Those crying with one voice out in the desert, okay? Right. Because we are the peripheries, and not just the canceled priests, but the lady that are supporting them, the lady that want solid preaching, solid catechesis, masculine liturgy, Okay, masculine liturgy. All right, that is so important, and that is what they're thriving for. And we're we're truly the peripheries here. Okay, you you hear so many bishops talking about going out to the peripheries. Well, now it's time to find in the peripheries, peripheries the deposit of faith, that splendor of truth, which is Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Now, yeah. Can, can we quick put up a picture? I just put this picture up on Facebook and. I thought I, I stumbled across it, but it was Easter of last year, first communion right after Easter of last year. And, uh, but you just said masculine lit, uh, liturgy, and that's just a, a really great way of describing it. But what, what I said is that, you know, when, when eyes come on a mass offered like this, that there's a sense of seriousness then, and people begin to take God seriously then. 
And uh, and I've just found that in my years of priesthood, my Bishop Morlino um, would was really, and this was come from Pope Benedict at the time, but um, and many others that to offer the mass like you you, you saw that picture uh, because it's uh, they they knew what that would have an impact on people, and I've just I've just come to understand that anywhere there where the truth is spoken clearly and boldly. Uh, like a good dad does, you were spiritual dads. You know, you want your, you want to form and shape and protect them from the lies of the, the enemy, and and where it, it, the mass is offered with all due reverence, all seriousness, right? That those those are the places where where numbers are growing, and it's just you know I I don't get it. I don't get because um, in my view, and it, please, uh, I'd like to get your opinion on this, Father. But when I look at these canceled priests. That's the two qualities that I see in them. I, I call it truth and transcendence, you know, and, and it, this this great love for uh, a very reverent liturgy uh, offered like this and a desire to keep the people in clear truth, uh, yet that somehow makes them dangerous. And uh, am, am, am I missing it or is it, am I getting closer what what it it's kind of goes along with what, what you just said. So can you just speak on what I just said there about you know my view of of what's happening to these priests right now? Yes, it's basically it's not just because they defend masculine liturgy or the traditional liturgy or doing the Novus Ordo liturgy well. All right, it uh, you know priests sometimes are canceled because they stand up and say, hey, all right. This is the splendor of truth. This is what we need to defend, whether it comes to the pro-life movement, when it comes to abortion or contraception right. or euthanasia. Yeah. All right. But priests are standing up and saying, this is what we need to defend. But right. what Catholics are discovering, and we were talking about this in pre-show. All right. Mother Angelica, 1994, Denver, Colorado. 93. Excuse me, 93. I thought it was 94. No. And uh, But Mother Angelica comes out and guns blazing, okay, because she saw a woman portray Christ in the Stations of the Cross, and she said, enough is enough. And she started, really, a liturgical revolution. Yes, she did. To have solid liturgy, to have solid music. Yep. And what a she lot changed of people, her habit and everything. And, changed and, her habit, yeah. orientem, Latin, yep. Gregorian chant. Yep. And Devotions. what we realize is that we need this. And it's a reminder to all Catholics out there, especially those that grew up in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. This is what Sancrosanctum Concilium called for. Right. Okay? This is what it called for. And so this is what we need. What do we get? This to is how bad it was, Father. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was ordained in 88, so five years before the, the beautiful... Uh, I call it rant, but a beautiful rant by Mother Angelica. But I, I don't know about you. Well, I'm older than you, so all of my seminary training, of all of my seminary training throughout the '80s, we were not offered one millisecond of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament for adoration. And I watched two guys in my seminary training, at least two. That's my recollection. Told to leave the seminary because they got caught having a devotion to the Blessed Mother, and recommended for psychological counseling because that was considered fanatic. That's where we were at that time. And Mother Angelica 
watched it, watched it, watched it, and by 93, she just went, boom, uh, I've had it. Can we play that clip real quick? Just a short part part of that. Let's play that. Yesterday, I made a mistake when I was talking to you. I asked you to watch the Holy Fathers. He made the stations, but he didn't make the stations. So I'm sorry for that error. I'm very happy he wasn't there. The stations are beautiful. The prayers are beautiful. But they depicted our Lord there as a woman. Abomination to the Eternal Father. I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was out of place when our Holy Father is here. I think it was very out of place when this whole place is vibrant with real, true Catholicity. It was a statement, and I'm going to make a statement also. In all these years, from the time they took out Our Lady to the time they took out the the tabernacle to the time they took out stations, the time they took out all devotion, the time at this point they have changed our churches, they closed them. And now we're not even allowed in many, many areas to kneel when that awesome presence comes down into this one little host. Some lounge, some sit, some stand. I'm tired of enneagrams. I'm tired of your witchcraft. I'm tired. I'm tired of being pushed in corners. I'm tired of your inclusive language that refuses to admit the Son of God is a man. I'm tired of your tricks. I'm tired of your deceit. I'm tired of you constantly just making a crack. And then the first thing you know, there's a hole and all of us fall into it. No, this was deliberate. These were not a group of children decided to do this. This was a group that was told what to do and how to do it. You dare portray Jesus as a woman under the guise of mime. I am so tired of you liberal church in America. And everything you've ever done has gone in silence. Nothing, nothing you've done from your witchcraft to your enneagrams to your centering prayer to all this earth spirituality, to replacing holy water with sand, to destroying our churches and closing churches that are viable and, and ready to go. No, this is not an accident. We've swallowed this now for 30 years. I'm tired of it. We have swallowed enough of your idea of God. And you have really no God. You have no dogma, no doctrine, and no authority. Those ceremonies that you saw are so truly, wonderfully Catholic. But no, you want to destroy that. And so you plant this mime, a woman as Jesus. You dare do that. You can't stand Catholicity at this height. You have to spoil it. Have you spoiled so many things in these 30 years? We're not going to stand or lounge. We're going to kneel before that wondrous Eucharist. We're not going to go for all those crazy things that you're pushing out as new and cultural and American. They're not American. America was built on God. America was built on trust in God. And you've made it pagan. You've helped to make this nation pagan. 
No, you're not builders, you're destroyers. I'm not going to take that anymore. I am proud to be a Roman Catholic. I've made my statement. I don't care whether you like it or not. It's time somebody said something about all these tiny little cracks that you have been putting for the past 30 years into the church. And now you tell us when to stand and when to sit. You tell us that I cannot kneel before the presence of my Lord. I've known for years how you feel. But I have yet to hear anyone contradict you or cross you or say anything to distress you. Well, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I say it as an individual who has a right before God to be Catholic, and I resent. I resent your pushing your ways and your anti-Catholic, ungodly ways upon the masses of this country. The Lord has something to say about people who do that. Woe to those who scandalize these little ones. It were better for them if a rock was put around their neck and they were sunk into the sea. So you can see, and what happened was, and I'm old enough to recall, of course, Doug, you joined EWTN in that time, but yeah. um, there became, talk about attracting I mean, we were addicted to EWTN. Their ratings went through the roof after that point. Now, she wasn't shooting for ratings, but here again, what we, you know, we're talking about evangelization. You know what? You know what attracts people from the very first days of Christianity? Strength, strength in the way that you love God and want to please God and 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 do God's will. There's a strength in that. You're not compromising. Uh, you know, you're not weakening in order to, you know, attract. That's been an abysmal failure. But that strength, and people were like, just like, whoa, I get it now. And and uh, and that was the period of time. Again, I was ordained during Pope John Paul's pontificate, but I'm not considered a, a, a uh, John Paul II priest. The ones in the 90s, post-1993, they're the ones. And they came in, and this is the hope of the church. The ones that were ordained, especially after 1993, are amazingly devout and strong in their in, in their 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 desire to speak the truth. Unfortunately, in these times that we're in right now, many of them are getting canceled. Okay, but this is a persecution that is for our period of time. But anyways, I I, I just I just feel like 93 was a uh, monumental moment. It was a watershed moment in the church. And it lasted, well, it lasted for 20 years. And uh, and we could talk more about that later. But, uh, but you know, that was the Morlino era. I implemented Adorientum and the young families started coming and all their stories were they were agnostic. They had given up on the faith long ago. And they came back and, and they were all in. And, that, and they're, now they're having their seventh and eighth child and you know, they're part of homeschooling group and, and they're going to adoration and rose, you know, it's just, they're just beautifully devout and totally dedicated. And they are the ones attracting others. They're, others are going, what did you find? You know, why are you so joyful? Why are you so 
on fire. I, I, I'm missing that in my life. I want that. There's your evangelization. There it is right there. Father, you want to comment on that? Well, no, I, you know, I want to just simply say this is that Father Heilman and I share an anniversary. So in 1988, he was ordained a priest. I received First Holy Communion. Okay. okay, okay. So uh, <laughs> I just want to say that 88 was a great year for both of us. Okay. Uh, but, you know, that say, said, you know, it's just I'm very much, even though I was ordained, uh, in 2007, under the reign of Pope Benedict, okay, I am very much a You're John, John Paul II priest. Second priest oh, because sure. I, entered, I entered the seminary in 1998. Right. Okay. You know, I mean, it was that was the five, era. Five, five are... years after Mother Angelica. You, you know, can make an observation Benedict. about many of these canceled priests uh, that they, they all are the John Paul II priests, you know, and now yeah, and what, for, what seeing, for reasons that that's dangerous <laughs> to be a John Paul II priest. Seeing, what we're what? seeing, what we're seeing, Father, in the last ten years, okay, is we're seeing, sad to say, so many of the bishops, not all of them, and we do have some very good bishops out there, but what we're seeing for many of them is almost kind of like that 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 gasp, that last breath of the nineteen seventies, yeah. trying to regain that, where you now see seminaries losing. Uh, 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 enrollment, okay, vocations to the priesthood is down, vocations to religious life is down, okay, because they don't see, okay, that, that wonderful example that Mother Angelica gave us, that John Paul II gave us, that Benedict XVI gave us, all right, they don't see that anymore, and so we have to ask, where are they going to find that hope? Okay, they're going to find it in their local priests. Okay, and what we need to do, and what I tell the laity constantly, is pray for your priests. Okay, even if you if you're going to a, a parish that maybe has a lukewarm priest, pray for him to become fervent. Pray for him to find the fire to go out there and preach the good news, to preach the truth. That is what we need. We we are done with lukewarm priests. We are done with priests that just basically want to be yes men and just try to get by, or even worse, are careerists, okay? They want to go out there, and they're going to say, I'm going to mind my P's and Q's so I get this nicer parish, yeah. you know, so I can afford this, so I can get that. We're done with that, okay? We need priests that are going to be warriors, like the priests right behind me, yeah. St. John Biani, that are going to put their lives on the line, okay, so that they're having confession lines three days deep to go to confession okay that's what we need that is what we need today is to get the people fired up for that yeah you know i find it interesting you know as you talk about 93 mother angelica i was at world youth day in denver when that happened and i remember really being oh yeah we were outside of the stadium because it took place in the denver broncos football stadium and i was out there with the several members who were working for me in my ministry radix at the time and we heard stories. I mean, when this was going on, we didn't go into the to the uh, stadium to see the event, to see the stations. But the word started spreading. And people were saying, did you hear that some woman portrayed Jesus in the stations? And people were shocked. What, what are you talking about? Are they? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then Mother's response was just amazing. And, you know, my interaction with EDB10 at the time, you know, was I, I would do different shows. I was guests on different shows that eventually was... Um, hired to be co-host on Life on the Rock for eight years. And 
and was actually told that by the people down there that when new postulants or new in, people are interested in joining the order down there, uh, the priesthood or the religious order, they were um, the sisters. They were shown that clip. That was that's mandatory, pretty much at the time it was at least to show the clip of mother, so people could really get an idea, especially after she passed away, what happened and how she responded, how she reacted to it. But you know, it seemed like there was a time period in there that that you know. And Father Level, I'd love to get your comments on this because we were talking a little bit before that we started recording. There was a time period in there where we had these voices. You go back to the '60s. You know, St. Padre Pio passes away in 1968, I believe. Then we had, at the time, you know, Venerable Fulton Sheen, you know, I think he's he's going to be canonized as soon as they figure out what to do with his body, I guess, is that argument still going on, you know, New York, Peoria, whatever. But we had Fulton Sheen, Padre Pio, Mother Angelica, John Paul II, Pope Benedict, Mother Teresa. We had some real spiritual giants who had access, especially when you get into the 70s and 80s with TV and so forth, to media, and they're able to get this message out. And they were actually helping to not only inspire, but they were helping to hold the line in certain areas. As this compromise has gradually increased, and as priests like yourself and others have been canceled, silenced, told to basically sit down, shut up, stop saying this and that, you're setting people, you're, you're stirring things up too much, we are seeing this massive increase on the other side to the point where, as again, we were talking before, what Target is doing right now at the time we record this was some of the things that they're selling. And I've heard even Glenn Beck talking about this. It's been on Fox News. It's been other places as well with the whole gender issue and even Satanism, Satanistic sort of stuff going on. Father Lovell, your comment on number one, as so much of this good has been silenced or tried to be silenced. This increase of the other side shoving these messages at us left and right, telling us that we're wrong if we don't, not only are we told we need to accept it, we're told to embrace it, we're told to celebrate it. And if we don't, we're considered haters. We're the bigots because we're Christians trying to stand in the gap and hold the line. Father, your comment on some of these things, like what Target's doing and other areas where we're seeing this compromise leading to this rise in this bizarre behavior, this absurdity almost out there. Well, I mean, I, I simply say this, and we got the, we got, Bud, Budweiser got the wake-up call. Mm -hmm. right? You go too far, you're going to lose billions of dollars, yeah. okay? We are still somewhat, and I say somewhat, in a free market society, okay? So the consumer can still dictate what happens when people go too far. So I encourage people, you know what? Don't go to Target. Don't shop at Target, okay? I'll even go a step further, all right? So here's your headline. Stop buying things made in China. Stop <laughs> buying things made in communist countries, all right? Buy, we hope, first and foremost, American. But if you can't do that, at least don't buy Chinese, all right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a choice, go India, go Taiwan, go somewhere that is supporting democracy in some way, all right? So when you see what Target is trying to shove down your throat, okay, what Major League Sports is trying to shove down your throat, okay, with these Pride Weeks and all of that, all right, stand up and say, no, what did we see in the NHL, all right? 
they realized they got such a huge blowback that they had to cancel those things. And that's a good cancelization right there for everyone to realize, all right? Bud Light, okay, the most popular, sad to say, because I don't really consider it beer, but the most popular beer in the United States, they've lost billions of dollars, okay? Because they decided that they were gonna go woke, okay? Well, guess what? When you go woke, you go broke, okay? It's as simple as that, all right? So what we need to do is we need to have Catholics stand up. Now, here's the thing, and this is what I'm saying to all conservative Catholics, to all traditional Catholics, to all Catholics on the right, whatever you want to brand yourself, okay? I just simply like to say Roman Catholic, all right? is this, is that you can't just do it for five minutes and then go back to your regular lifestyle, okay? We are called now in this age to be Catholic 24-7, 365 days a year, okay? We have to be on call constantly in order to bring the good news. And what does the good news mean? It means going out and telling people, hey, stop going to Target. Stop going to this store. Stop buying this product, okay? Until they learn that if they're going to push a woke ideology, they're going to go broke. And then you're going to watch how quickly these corporations turn around, all right? Because their bottom line is always the mighty dollar, okay, and making money. And if they're not able to do that, watch how quickly they're going to turn around and they're going to start pushing that. Look what Father Heilman did with the hated Green Bay Packers. They were supporting Planned Here he Parenthood. goes. <laughs> Planned Parenthood, okay? Unlike unlike the most pro-life team to ever grace the NFL, the Chicago right. Bears, okay? But, but Father Heilman led, led a protest against them. Yeah, I was in the Adoration Chapel them. during every Packer game that year. Yeah. You weren't yeah. even watching it, but you were telling people. No, I was. I I purposely went in the Adoration Chapel every time the kickoff started for the Packers, and I prayed for them. And that following spring, they came out and they instead of donating to Planned Parenthood, they started donating to all pro-life organizations and par and Catholic parishes. Mm -hmm. And so, behold, <laughs> they're they're back. <laughs> Yeah, but, but I mean, there, there we go. But it's just, it's, it's a wonderful example. If you stand up and pray, you get down on your knees actually mm -hmm. and pray. What are you going to see? You're going to see a dramatic turnaround right. in how these organizations operate. Okay, well, it, you okay. Know, have the upper uh, hand. We have the power to move mountains. Father, yeah. uh, one of my favorite quotes is, and I'm doing it off the top of my head. I think I got this right. Is uh, hard times great, create great men. Great men create create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Okay. So, and I, here's one of the things I noticed is, um, and I tell it this way, you, I, I just looked it up when uh, uh, Life is Worth Living with uh, Fulton Sheen, when that ran, till 1965. And he did some other things after that for the next three years. But basically, it, it, he wasn't on the air as much uh, in the 70s. 1970 brought the Nova Sordo. Now, the picture we showed earlier, the way off of the Nova Sordo, that's right from Sacrosanctum Concilium. Okay, that's that's the way that they wanted us to offer it. And the radical liberal bishops got in charge after that and added all their little goodie lists to it uh, after that. All I'm doing, I call it a purified Nova Sordo. All I'm doing is being true 
to Sacrosanctum Concilium from, from the Vatican documents. But here's what happened. that They, they started their goodie list in right after that was proposed, uh, right after uh, 1970. And here's what happened. I went into high school, Catholic high school, in 1972. And it was beautiful. Mass every day, nuns in full habits, the priests is there. Uh, religious uh, uh, imagery everywhere. Uh, devotions were promoted. It was a. It was a. It was like a, a treasure chest of Catholic faith. The following year, the nuns' habits shrunk. The priest was MIA. We had mass maybe once a semester. The religious imagery was removed. The, they they had a religious room filled with books for study. They took them all out and put beanbag chairs in the middle and said meditate. That happened in one year. You know what year that was? 1973. Okay, that's Roe v. Wade. And exorcisms will say, exorcists will say, when you sin, you open a portal. Well, we had a nationwide portal. Demons rained down upon us in 1973, and it just got terrible. And that's why I say I, I find it interesting. 1973, 1993. Okay, where we rose up. Okay, a house united. Remember, everybody was addicted to EWTN and that because it was it was good food. It was real food. It was authentic food that we were all looking for and starving through that whole 73 to 93 period, right? Not one second of Eucharistic adoration in all my seminary training. Are you kidding me? Um, and, and so 1993, a heyday, Right. And that led in, is, here's what I think happened with Pope uh, John Paul II. You're wondering, well, he was he became our Pope in 78. What did he do from 78 to 93? Well, he built his army. He built trust in him. He built confidence in him. He would have, you know, he would go someplace and what, 100,000 people would show up? Um, so they got behind John Paul, but he didn't push anything just yet until he got, I believe, EWTN followers behind him. And now he could move out. And that's when Pope John Paul II started uh, talking about the reverence at Mass, uh, the Blessed Mother, uh, confession, you know, every everything at that point. But here's what he wrote in 1993. Father, you said uh, the splendor of truth. This is what this is also what happened in 1993. His encyclical Veritas's splendor, the 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 the, uh, the, the, uh, the splendor of truth. I just want to read a portion of it to 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 you. The supreme good and the moral good meet in truth, the truth of God, the creator and redeemer, and the truth of man, created and redeemed by him. Only upon this truth is it possible to construct a renewed society and to solve the complex and weighty problems affecting it. Above all, the problem of overcoming the various forms of totalitarianism so as to make way for the authentic freedom, and he has that in quotation marks, of the person, totalitarianism arises out of a denial of truth in the objective sense. If there is no transcendent truth in obedience to which man achieves his full identity, then there is no sure principle for guaranteeing just relations between people. Their self-interest as a class, group, or nation would inevitably set them in opposition to one another. If one does not acknowledge transcendent truth, then the force of power takes over, 
and each person tends to make full use of the means at their at his disposal in order to impose his own interests or his own opinion with no regard for the rights of others. I'll just end there. But isn't that amazing? He wrote that in 1993. I mean, my goodness, he, he predicted what's going on right now. We are living in full-on totalitarianism. And here's why. Because if you dare speak truth, transcendent truth, okay, you are divisive. That's what they say. You're being, you're dividing us. No, we have to have everybody believe their own truth, okay? And then we'll be united in that mixture of all different kinds of beliefs. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just, it's an abysmal failure. Then you have people that are going, oh, you know, there's not really anything real serious on Sunday morning. You know, how many times are going to tell me Jesus loves me, you know? Uh, then I might as well stay in bed on, on Sunday morning. And and it is plummeting in this t- period of time now, 2013 to today. And and here I'll just end with this. 2013, President Obama was given his nothing to lose second term. And, and boom, it all came in. And, and here's what I believe is a big one. He put into power a lot of people who are in power today. Okay. Uh, and, and so the totalitarianism just became uh, every source of influence and power is owned and operated by the radical left right now. Um, and and he, he was the primary instigator in that. Uh, the other thing that happened, ISIS was formed that year. And uh, the other thing that happened is Pope Benedict, who was like, oh, yes, honorientum and sacred music and reverence and Unless we we fix the liturgy, well, that's the fate of the of the church, and and that closed out on 2013, and here we are. Father, you want to comment on that? No, I mean you, you're exactly right, and you know the only thing that I would would say to that is that uh, Veritatis Splendor. I don't know if it's so much a letter as it is a book. I mean, it's a it has a pretty thick binding to it, and it's good. You know, and John Paul II uh, was like that. I mean, it's just it's like, Holy Father, this is no longer a letter, it's a book. Yep. And that's fine. That's that's what we need in this day and age. It's, and, it seemed like bad times created strong men in 1993 and women, uh, uh, Mother Angelica. It, but we yeah, but need I, that I, I, now again. This, I'm going to say this is that we're in bad times now. And yep. really, to be honest with you, in the last 2,000 years, the church was always in need of reform. Okay. Yes, we've had better times and worse times. I, it, it's hard to say whether I don't, or not. I don't think you get as bad as this. But I'm going to say. Wait, this. What, what's your pronoun again, Father? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you get as bad as this. I'm just saying. So, but, but anyway, what I'm go ahead. Say is this is that every single person listening, I don't care if you're a man, I don't care if you're a woman, I don't care if you're clergy, I don't care if you're laity, you have been given the talent through. Jesus Christ and the sacraments that he gave you in order to change the world and to set it on fire, okay? Remember the story of of the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent, okay? It doesn't matter how many talents you've been given, okay? It matters what you do with them. So Mm. Mother Angelica, all right, cloistered nun, can't leave her monastery, all right? She went out, she changed the landscape of America, okay? Carol Wojtyla didn't even get a proper seminary education, 
right, became a priest in totalitarian Poland under communist Marxist Stalin rule, okay, rises up to become not only a bishop, archbishop, and cardinal, okay, but to become the successor of St. Peter, okay? What are you going to do with your talent? That's the question, okay? Doug Barry can set the world on fire just as much as John Paul II or Mother Angelica or Mother Teresa. So can Father Richard Heilman. So can everybody listening to that, okay? That is the important thing. We've been given that talent. What are we doing with it? Okay, and I'm going to speak for myself, all right? I am going to be 43 years old in July, all right? I could have done a lot better with the talent that I've been given so far. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I strive every day. I wake up every day and make that morning offering in order to strive to do better than I did yesterday. It sounds right. quaint, okay? Not even sound modernistic, okay? But we have to ask ourselves, are we a better Catholic than we were a year ago? Or are we a better Catholic than we were yesterday? We have mm -hmm. to strive always for that holiness and keep doing that. So no matter how bad the times are, no matter what is swirling around us, okay, as long as that we have the sacred and immaculate hearts of Jesus and Mary with us and in us, we are going to conquer all and we're going to set the world on fire. That's what we need to realize. Father, I'm curious, uh, based on what you just said and the information flowing across the bottom of the screen, and for those listening to the audio, it is the information about the conference, uh, June 23rd and 24th in Rosemont, Illinois. Not Chicago, but near Chicago. But could you speak as to the importance of a conference like this in these times, based on what you just said about rising up? Because uniting together in rising up with our talents can make us a pretty serious force to be reckoned with. And I just think that's such an important thing to bring out to people is that a conference like this is not just, hey, just come and be inspired by a few priests and other lay speakers uh, about this, that, and the other thing. But the times that we're in and the seriousness of what you just described really, really demands that we step up as Catholics. What in the world is this coming to if we do not unite and take the talents that we have been given and work together. And a conference like this, of course, I think does that. You made the comment that not even all the speakers agree on everything, but we're coming together for the sake of the one true faith because we have to. Can you talk about some of that and how it relates to the conference? You bring up a great point, Doug. I mean, this is what it comes down to. And we learned this during COVID, okay? As great as it is, because a lot of people say this, why don't you just do a virtual conference? It will be cheaper. You know, you have your podcasts and everything like that. You know, I mean, look, we have United Grace Force here, okay? We have my podcast, Open the Desert, all right? Those are great. But what Catholics need to realize, especially what we learned during COVID, we need each other and not via pixels, okay? Mm -hmm. We need to see each other face-to-face, -face, okay? The little things, like to be able to just sit down and listen to somebody, not over speakers, okay, but to actually hear them and to see them speak, to meet them afterwards, okay, to go out into the hallways, to speak with vendors, okay, but to speak with fellow Catholics. Psychologically, that is so much better than what, what, what we experienced during COVID where we were told, stay home, be isolated, okay? And, you know, and I have a lot of people have, have emailed me and say, Father, you know, this is, 
this is kind of an expensive conference, okay? And I always tell them, take a look at other Catholic conferences of our size. We're actually pretty cheap, okay? We're not even breaking even, okay? We're, we're actually having to ask sponsors to underwrite just paying for the hotel, all right? But what I'm saying is, is that the benefit of being able to be together in a room, to be able to come together and speak to each other, that is so needed after the lockdowns and all of that. And I said this last year, and I'm going to keep saying it. It is so much better to be able to do that. As important as Grace Forces or Hope in the Desert or all these other great podcasts, we need people to stand up and to come together as a group, mm. okay, and realize that they're not alone. That, I think, is one of the best things that's happening with the House United, all right? But it's also it's also forcing you to come out of your safety box, okay? You know, people have said this. Doug, thank you for mentioning this. We're not in Chicago. We're near Chicago, yes, okay? But I'm going to tell you right now, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, especially those out in the heartland, okay, in the Midwest, which I love so much, okay, Make the sacrifice to come and see these priests, okay? It's not going to be all the priests that we help. One, because several of the priests don't want to be known that we're helping. But the priests that are coming, they want to see you. They want to thank you for your support, okay? And we have to realize, look, because people say this, is this a, is this a gathering where you're just going to bash the bishops and bash Francis and all of this? No, okay? This is coming together to say there is hope. Hope is going to bring us to eternal life, all right? We're going to put aside our little minor differences. We're going to unite. We're going to say, we need this. We need our priests. We need good shepherds, all right, that are going to lead us and show us the way, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord, all right? And when people start focusing on that and start realizing that, I mean, you're going to walk away on June 24th after the banquet you're going to walk away a better Catholic, okay? Not because you met Father Lovell, not because you met Doug Barry or any of the other speakers, but we were we came together as a house united, all right? And we realized we're not alone, and we saw it face-to-face, -face, okay? That is the most important thing. What? How do we overcome, first of all, here's some terms that are thrown around. In fact, I looked them up to get the correct uh, de definition for them, but... One of them is gaslighting, um, and I feel I'm being gaslighted. Uh, we're in, we're in a period of time where um, I, I I just I don't know I I, I don't want to go there. But here's the definition of, of of gaslighting: it's a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. And and the typical example is like an abusive husband or abusive father. You know that it kind of just is always ripping on the the wife or the children and and making them just you just making them to just be diminished in the, in um, their confidence in themselves and living, frankly. Uh, but the other one, father, and this is the one I especially want you to to speak to is uh, the the uh, what's being used today is called the chilling effect, um, and so it it basically means um, that. You kind of you you use someone uh, by going after them intensely, so that you can demonstrate others better not go where this person went because look at the look at the the the, the punishment the abuse they took uh, for doing what they did, i.e., got canceled. Okay, 
for doing what they did. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of holy, beautiful priests out there, but they're like, yikes, I'm not going to speak up against what, what the what's going on in the world today because look at the results. Um, what do we do, Father, in, in a time like this where everybody's just made to fear? There's a, just a, a spirit of tyranny right now. I mean, it, it requires incredible courage to say anything and that's why evil is just like waltzing in and has an easy time of it. And we can, what's your pronoun? And, you know, you kill babies, you know, no, no big deal. And, you know, inflict fear and everybody's, you know, uh, depressed or suicidal and they're, they're, they're indoctrinating children and, and no one say anything because they're afraid. Cause look what happened to the ones that did say something. What do we do about that father? Well, first and foremost, we step out into the public square. And I, yep. I think that's so important. And that's, again, that's one of the great things about this conference. It's forcing you to step outside your safety zone. Okay. Right. It's forcing you to meet people that you don't know. Okay. But then realizing yes. hey, I'm not alone. And it's not just my small little camp yes. here, my small little clique. Okay. What it is, is that there's Catholics around this country, around the world. Mm -hmm. Okay that wants to share the love of Jesus Christ. And yes. so I want to say, Father, to the priests that say, look, I would love to stand up for the truth, but I'm worried about being canceled. I get right. calls all the time from right. priests saying, Father, I'm on the verge of being canceled, or right. I'm semi-canceled, okay? And I just simply say this, and this, this is tough medicine going down, okay? This is, this is pretty tough medicine, okay? Think back in any of the four Gospels to the Passion, and Jesus says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And to that point where the maidservant calls Peter out and says, you are one of his disciples. And you know, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then he hears the cock crow. And he breaks down in tears. Yep. Okay. We've got to stop worrying about being disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, okay? Right. And so what I want to say to my brother priests, okay, we are the Latin word sacerdotes, okay? We are sacrificers, but we're also the Greek word presbyters. We are elders of the church, okay? Yes. We are like St. Peter. We share in that magisterium, all right? We are seniors, elders of the church. We have to stand up and lead, especially when so many bishops, sadly, the vast majority fail to do that, all right? We have to stand up and say, no, this is the love of Jesus Christ and show that, come what may. And if that means you're going to be canceled, don't worry about it. We have a whole coalition here that is ready to help you, okay, fulfill your ministry, okay? Look, I'm not telling people either, seek out cancelization, okay? I always tell people, you want to read a great short book? T.S. Eliot's Murder in the Cathedral, St. Thomas of Becket. The whole book is about Thomas of Becket. Should he go out and seek martyrdom or should he let it come to him? He decided to let it come to him. And we have to realize he was open to it, but he wasn't going to go out of his way and be imprudent to be killed. Okay. So prudence is one thing. Letting fear masquerade as prudence is another. 
And the last three years under tyranny, we've had too much of fear masquerading as prudence. Yep. And we have to stop that. And we have to realize you can't have prudence without fortitude. You can't have prudence without courage, all right? And so we have to stand up and realize that we have to fight the good fight, come what may, all right? And if you don't, th if you think you can, you're able to do that by sitting at home and just watching videos, as great as the videos might be with Doug Berry and Father Heilman, okay, it still is not the match of going out and meeting others and mm -hmm. making those connections, Okay. And you know what? Here's another thing that a lot of people don't realize. To be able to go up to a speaker and say, I don't agree with you on this. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's have a cup of coffee. What, right. what a wonderful thing you can do to sit down and talk and work out. You know what? You might actually learn something. Yep. You know? So let's stop canceling people just because they disagree with right. us on certain things or say something we don't like and maybe sit down and listen to them. We yeah. might realize, hey, they make good points. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not about winning the argument. It's about winning the soul. I like using that expression all the time. You got to win the soul. But that, yeah. you know, truth with love, right? Truth, but do it in a spirit of love. And sometimes Jesus, you know, he was the perfection of love, right? Second person, Holy Trinity. You know, sometimes he went, you snakes, you vipers, you know, uh, you brood of vipers. Uh, but it was done in love because he felt that's what they needed in order to shake them up and, 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 you know, get detached from the lie, you know, so. Father, can I interrupt you just for a moment? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make you blush and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sorry about that. Okay. But think about the years that you've been at your parish right now, which is, which is coming to an end as you're transferring this summer. Okay. Think of what you just said of the souls that you brought to Christ, okay? That if you were not open to Jesus Christ working through you, we're not going to be saved, okay? You changed minds and hearts in Southwestern Wisconsin because you allowed yourself to be open to that. You allowed yourself to let the Holy Ghost work through you. All right. We're right now in the novena leading up to the greatest feast of the church outside of Easter, Pentecost. And sadly, so many Catholics around the world don't under even understand what Pentecost means anymore. And Pentecost is simply this, allowing yourself to be open to the Holy Ghost working through you so you could stand up and say what needs to be said. And Father, you stood up and you said what needed to be said, and you even went farther than that, okay, to start a wonderful ministry, okay, of not just combat rosaries, okay, but of grace force, okay, you took on the penance of dealing with Doug Barry day, week in and week out, okay, yeah. I mean, God bless you for it. Yeah, I know, that's, I miss Cross. Thank you, Father. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the what I was listening to you is, here's what I lament about, Father, is what I see right now among shepherds is you know the sheep are in the in the beautiful pasture restful waters you know they're 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 free and and they're at peace well no not if the shepherd is just leaning on the fence and watching as here comes the wolves and they walk over and they hop on a sheep and they start chomping and start eating them 
But the the shepherd goes, you know, uh, that's a write off, or for the better good, or for peace. You know, I, we don't want to disturb the wolves. We don't want the wolves to get mad at us. You know, that's what's going on right now. You got this radical left, and and I know I'm dangerous. Anybody that speaks up in in the truth is dangerous. This is the, again the chilling effect. They will attack you. And I've been in the secular media being attacked. You know, for simply speaking what the church teaches. And and uh, and no, you know, let's uh, let's just let that one be devoured, and and for the sake of you know not dividing and, and peace, and I just see that so much, Father. I can't do that. I'm a shepherd, okay, and they're my sheep, and I love them so much, and I want them to live in peace and freedom, and security. I wish I had my security shirt on tonight. Security of knowing that God's with them, yes, but. But we're called as spiritual dads, okay, to be shepherds that make sure, no, there's a wolf, there's a wolf, there's a wolf, you know, there, there's a lie. And no, don't do that. And, or you're going to, you know, you're going to lose your grace. You're going to lose your peace. I can't do that. I, 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 I have to, in other words, I have to do that. You know, wolf, wolf, you know, lie, lie. Um, and I, I think any spiritual dad shepherd who truly, actually, genuinely loves their sheep, can't not speak the truth and, and, and help these, these sheep from being devoured, indoctrinated, brought low, depressed, suicidal, everything that's going on in our culture. I can't sit by and not do it. And I know you're the same way, Father, and you you're face consequences for that, but... Mm. Um, what a time we're living in right now, unless you're leaning on the fence and letting the wolves eat your sheep, you're going to get canceled. I, I, I know it's, I don't know if the image works, but uh, that's the way I think of it. Father, can you comment on that? No, I, oh, listen, I completely agree. And sadly, we have many out there that should be shepherds and they keep telling everyone that they're shepherds while they are basically pouring bacon grease on the sheep for yeah. the wolves to come even faster. Okay. Exactly. And, uh, we have to realize that we, we have to stand up. Okay. And say, look, we're not going to allow the filth that, that is being allowed into the church to continue to happen. We're going to stand up for Jesus Christ. And we're not, we're not going to be told. Okay. That our religion somehow has changed because of the 1960s or anything like that. The deposit of faith does not change. The deposit of faith is it, the reasons of the deposit. Okay, is because it is it is always everlasting. It is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, and so we have to always ask ourselves. Okay, that sense of fidelium, that that the sense of the faithful, is to realize. Okay, if if I try to maintain a state of grace. And to be honest with you, we can never be 100% sure if we're in the state of grace, but we can be 100% sure when we're not in a state of grace, okay? That, that's a great moral question right there. But if we always try to stay in the, in, in the state of grace, if we always try to stay open to what the Holy Ghost is doing, if we do everything that we can to better ourselves with the talents that God gave us, doesn't matter if it's one or two or five, okay? If we're able to open ourselves up to that and keep trying to be a better Catholic and keep trying to learn more, okay, we are always going to know 
what the right thing is to do is because we've properly formed our conscience. Okay. And so we're going to be able to say, no, no, you're not being a good shepherd. All right. All right. And to be fair. All right. And, and a good animal will do this, whether it's a sheep, whether it's a dog. Okay. I had a dog. My dog just recently died. All right. It was quite sudden, died Easter morning. All right. He had me up at 5 a.m. every day. Every day. Okay. Fortunately, I'm a morning person. Okay. Didn't matter when I went to bed the night before, he had me up. And I started to realize the Holy Ghost was working through that dog. Yep. The Holy Ghost was working through that dog to make sure that I got up, that I prayed, that I did my office, yep. that I prepared for Mass. Okay. And people might say, well, Father, you, you're, you're just a dog is a dog. Yeah. God can work through animals, too. Yeah. Okay? And, and he can work through the sheep in order to show the shepherd how to be a good shepherd. Okay. Yeah. How many times, I mean, I, I know many a parent who say they learn to be a better Catholic because of their children. Okay. Not just to set a better example. They saw the better example in their kids yes and it it forced them to reevaluate how they did things okay so you want the bishops to be better okay okay and yes and sometimes we do have to complain and sometimes we have to stand up and say your excellency you're doing this wrong okay but so often what we're going to see is whether it's priests or bishops they're going to become better when the lady forced them to come better when the sheep force them to actually be shepherds and to protect them, to guide them, and to lead them. And if we're able to start doing that on a regular basis, you're going to see mountains being moved. Yep. It's as simple as that. I'd like to add a little something to this, too, just as the layman here on the panel, um, as the you know, individual shepherd of a family. Uh, yep. for all the dads out there, this goes for you too, husbands and fathers. I mean, all my kids have moved out. I have grandkids now. I don't let a day go by where I'm praying my daily rosary and I'm mentioning all of my kids and my grandkids in that rosary. I remember the story of a grandfather retired. Um, I don't know how many grandkids he had and, but he had five or six kids. If I remember the story, right. And every single day he prayed one rosary for each of his kids and grandkids um, that's a shepherd on that level. And I just, I want to encourage the layman out there, husbands and fathers. I mean, you ladies too, you're the heart of the home. You've got to be on board with this too. But we men, we husbands and fathers, we can't just be leaning on the fence like you were describing earlier, you know, Father Holloman, we've got to make sure that we are absolutely engaged in this. And, and like you said, you know, um, Father Lovell, I agree with that. We, you know, it, we can help encourage the priests. I mean, I, you priests are great examples to me. And I want to say to other men out there, other husbands and fathers, we've got to be towing that line. We've got to be showing the reverence. We've got to be showing our children and grandchildren what it looks like to get in the confessional line on a regular basis, not just once a year or every six months. Let it be every couple of weeks or at least once a month, if not every week. Let them see you with the rosary in your hand. I always said that when I die, you know, in the standard Catholic, you know, funeral, if it if it happens where they, you know, they run the rosary over your hands. You know, if I am lying there and that rosary is over my hands and my kids and grandkids come up to view the body, God willing, I'm in any kind of shape to have a, a viewed funeral. We just don't know how that's going to go. But I never wanted my kids or grandkids to walk up and look at that rosary on their dad or grandfather's hands and say, what's that? 
He never did that. That wasn't, I mean, that's different. We'd never seen that. I wanted them to walk up and see the rosary on my hands and say, that was part of his life. That's who he was. An extension of dad or grandfather here was the rosary, a devotion to Mary, devotion to St. Joseph, you know, adoration. I want my kids and grandkids to know that I go to adoration three or four times a week sometimes. If I'm driving down the street, out running errands, I go out of my way to drive an extra five or six or 10 blocks so I can find the Catholic church and go in for 10 minutes even. But make sure that we husbands and fathers and you ladies out there as well, we are seriously engaged in this as as the, the head of the home, the heart of the home, and that we are supporting our priests the right way. So I want to make a call out to all of you there to go to this conference. If you can, make that sacrifice and go to this conference coming up June 23 and 24 and be part of this. This is a critical time right now in our world, and our country, that we need to be taking part in what's happening and we can't just sit on the sidelines and, as you said, Father Hallman, just lean on the fence post like, yeah, yeah, whatever happens, happens, you know. I mean, we're hearing it, and you two are hearing it, too, I'm sure. How many Catholic families are having problems? They're hearing all of a sudden one of their children has abandoned the faith or they've they've gone the route of something that is just absurdly, unbelievably off the rails um, I hear this all the time. I know we all of us Catholic families are having challenges and struggles, but I know Father Hallman, you had said that you're hearing about this too. You told me this months ago. We're just out of the blue. Uh, you know, a good devout Catholic family is hearing that all of a sudden their child is this, that, or the other thing, or they go to a Catholic college and they're losing their faith at a Catholic college. But this is rampant in a lot of different areas, and we husbands and fathers in particular, we've got to be those prayer warriors. And those shepherds of those those little families that God gives us to care for. Doug, Doug, if I could say this right now, I mean to summarize what everything that you just said, yeah. there are only two vocations: fathers and mothers. Okay. Mm. It does not matter if you're celibate, it does not matter if you're married. Everyone, all males are called to be fathers by the grace of God, and all women are called to be mothers. Okay. Mm. Some do that in the married life, some do that in the, in the consecrated life. Okay, some do that in the priesthood. Okay, because really the secular priesthood is, is is neither marriage vocation proper or the consecrated life proper. We mm -hmm. Father Eilman and I don't take vows. Okay, you know we're, we're 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 set apart. All right, but remember in heaven. Okay, yes, we're all brothers and sisters. Okay, but we make it to heaven based on our fatherhood and based on our motherhood. Okay. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Mother Angelica earlier. Okay, what a great mother. Okay, and not just to the nuns of her of her monastery down in Alabama, but what a great mother she was to so many Americans, so yeah. many people around the world. Mother felt her motherhood. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they, there's a motherhood there. Okay, yeah. and and we have to realize that, and we have to we have to realize that we have to always, no matter what our vocation is, realize. We're called to be fathers. We're called to be mothers. Yeah, that's good. Right? That's and that, good. that's what we have to focus in on. That's the most important thing. And what you're going to see, especially at our conference in June, June 23rd and 24th, all right, is you're going to see a wide range of speakers, celibate, married, men, women, theologians, okay, uh, people who are not necessarily very academic, okay, but have a burning love for Jesus Christ and realize that they're being sent out to change the world, all right? 
That that is the most important thing. But you're mm-hmm. going to see all walks of life at the conference, and you're going to see everyone have one thing in common. They're trying to be a better father or they're trying to be a better mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hope you understand, Father, and our time is coming up here, but I just want to say this before we end is that I think all serious Catholics, okay, those that really are, you know, that awe and wonder, fear of the Lord, are connected to God, uh, they have a heart for you and uh, are praying for you and, and all the priests that are, are being persecuted right now. I, I know I do. I, 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 I keep asking the Holy Spirit how I can uh, help, support, do anything I can for uh, these persecuted priests in our time. And, uh, uh, but I, well, here's what I do believe is that I think your prayers are especially powerful right now. And, um, and I'd like, you know, talk about Unite. I, I don't know. I, I keep lo- uh, asking the Holy Spirit about this, but I'd love you. Get us united even more. I know what we do at the banquet and that, but find a way to get, um, uh, you know, all these persecuted priests together because I think that would be an amazing powerhouse of prayer to do that. So, um, but, but I know the listeners out there have, have the same feeling I do. The outcasts and abandoned, you know, these, these guys that have suffered so much for their willingness to be courageous and speak out in a time where apparently it's not allowed, uh, is is uh, is is incredibly courageous in these times. So uh, thank you, Father. Thank you, all the priests who uh, were willing to put literally their life on the line to to share martyrdom, white, possibly red uh, martyrdom, and, uh, for the sake of their love for their sheep and a, and a, and their their real call to be spiritual dads to the family. And uh, so, again, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Could you end by, uh, or could we end by having you uh, offer a prayer and blessing for us? Before uh, sir, before you do that, Father, can just for the audio, for the people that are listening on audio, where can people go again for more information on the conference and to buy tickets? No, I appreciate that, Doug. And if uh, if your producer could put it in the uh, in the feed as well, in the yeah. uh, in feed is canceledpriests.org. It's June 23rd and 24th in Rosemont. If you can't make both days, we have single day ticket options available. Come out, meet John Henry Weston, meet Abby Johnson, even more importantly, meet Doug Berry. I'll make yeah. sure I'll make sure he has a nice add-on uh for, for the whole time. So um so please do that, but but also please remember the importance this week. I know this is airing on Thursday, I believe. We uh, still have a few more days. It'll be Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. On Wednesday. Wednesday. Great. Even better. We have a few more days before Pentecost. Take the time in order to allow the Holy Ghost to work with you. And so I'm going to simply end with a prayer that, that is actually so- this this will air a few days after Pentecost. So let's take oh. let's take that Holy Spirit power and and let's yeah. uh yeah let's, that that's fine yep, yep, but yep. Uh, we're 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 recording this right before pentecost right 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 let's, right let's close with this prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen mm-hmm. come holy ghost fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your divine love send forth your spirit and they shall be created and thou shall renew the face of the earth amen dominus vobiscum et cum spiritu tuo Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti Descender Super Vos Maniat Semper. Amen. Amen. Thank awesome. you, Father. Thank you very much, Father. Appreciate you being great. with us. God bless Please, you. everyone. Pray for our persecuted priests. Amen. Thank you so much.